Welcome to Read It Read It. We will be reading from r slash pro revenge. Our first post is by Makaru7. I don't have a problem helping classmates. I really don't. I even tutored several classmates during my final semester of undergrad because they needed the help. They all ended up passing their classes with my assistance. This story comes from a particularly tough business information systems class during my undergraduate education. The students in this class were mostly non-technical business majors, so this new material wasn't at all similar to anything we'd learned in other classes. Needless to say, most of the students were struggling, including me. I still had a 4.0 in college at this point, though I finished with a 3.99, and I was willing to put in maximum effort to keep my stellar GPA. I started studying hard. I made my own Quizlet sets, I read the book every night, I finished assignments a week early, and I did outside research. After grinding it out in this class for about a month, I was working on an assignment in a room, designated for quiet homework time, and that's where our story begins. Several other students from my class were there, and working on the same assignment I was on. Judging by the size of exasperation, the irritated whispers, and requests for help, they weren't having much success. Having studied relentlessly for a month, I was having an easier time of it. As I got up to go get some water from the fountain in the hall, a classmate asked for my help. I told him I could do that, and I'd be right back. I returned a few minutes later to find what I can only describe as a bunch of busy bees happily working away. This was strange, since they were hopelessly stuck two minutes before, but whatever. My classmate tells me he figured it out without me. Now, I'm not an idiot, so I know the five people in this room probably copied my work off my computer when I went to get water. Scumbag move number one. But as it turns out, no one in the class needed help the next day or the day after. Whoever in the study room had stolen my work had forwarded it to most of the class. Scumbag move number two. I don't mind being helpful, but I hate being used, so I made a plan to get back at the people who had stolen my work. It didn't take long to organize my plan and carry it out. Here's how it went. 1. I changed an answer on the next assignment by multiplying by minus 1. $1,500 became minus $1,500 on this question. 2. The next week, I left my computer in the same place as before and went to get water, just like I had done the week before 75% of the people in my class of 40 people put minus $1,500 as the answer to question 3, which was definitely incorrect. 3. I began studying relentlessly for the midterm. Our professor had said he wouldn't adjust the weight of the test, something like your score slash 50 on a test with 60 points available, so your score of 40 becomes 80% instead of 67%, if anyone scored particularly well. This class was difficult, and no one was expecting anyone to score over 75%, so all my classmates figured the weight of the test would be adjusted. My plan was to wreck the curve, even though it's not a curve, and deny everyone the adjusted weight by producing a sufficiently high score. 4. I recruited a classmate who hadn't stolen my work to study with. Together, we aimed to score high enough that our professor couldn't adjust the weight of the midterm. Here's how it all played out. No one who copied me realized the answer was incorrect. Every last one of those idiots submitted the wrong answer to question 3. This next part surprised me, but my classmates began insisting the class was unfair, 
Too difficult, Oregdon launched these complaints at our professor. One day after class I had the following exchange, since I was the last student out of the classroom. Professor, op, do you think this class is too hard? Me, honestly, this class is hard, but if people spent as much time studying as they did complaining, they'd be fine. They really need to just get to work. Professor, I thought the same. Me, deciding spur of the moment my next move. I also happen to know that most of the class incorrectly copied my work on the last assignment. Question 3 should be a net income of $1,500, not a net loss of $1,500. I put down the wrong answer initially, everyone copied me, and then I changed the answer later. I think you can reasonably conclude that anyone with minus $1,500 as the answer cheated off of my incorrect work. Professor, I figured they all copied, but I didn't know you were the source. Anyway, thanks for your candor and your dedication to the class. I didn't cheat, so I don't know what happened to those who did, but depending on the class, they would either get a zero for the assignment or a plagiarism citation, so they got one of those. Fast forward to test day, and I'm ready to go. I know since most of the students are business majors, they need 70% to pass the class, because it's a required course. Hurting them on the midterm will go a long way, in helping drop their grades. I take the test, I'm the first one done, and I leave pretty sure I've done enough to deny the class the exam weight adjustment. A week later, we get our exams back. Tests are distributed all around me with scores on the top in red ink 68, 71, 70, 66, 75, 67, and these are the smart students. Someone on the end of my row takes a test from our professor and lets out a sigh as he begins passing a test down my row. It stops on my desk. 93%. I've won. Some idiot in the front of the class, so is there going to be a curve? Professor, nope. Me, what was the high score? Professor. 93%. Average score for the exam was 71, so a good number of people didn't get a passing score. Maybe they made up for it on the final and passed, but I don't care. I got mine. Our next post is by SGY0003. So my friend over in Korea studies fashion design. She sometimes sends me over the sketches of the designs, and they all look amazing. Then again, I'm not into fashion. She is particularly interested in designing handbags and purses. She told me a story about how she shut down one of the most entitled, self-centered lazy students on campus. Cast. Grace, our main character girl. Jane, the evil one. Professor, the instructor of the course. Story. At first, Grace and Jane got along just fine. They were both interested in similar stuff and quickly became BFFs. Grace decided to show Jane her sketches and designs for handbags and purses, and Jane was so impressed by it. Because the sketches were in incredible detail, including all the patterns and sew lines, coupled with figurative measurements, even Professor was impressed by it, and it was no surprise that Grace got a high mark on their first major exam. Jane didn't do so well, and practically followed Grace everywhere, to get pointers on how to do better. So Grace decided to help her out. Unfortunately, Jane turned out to be one of the most entitled, lazy, and selfish people, that Grace has ever met. Things that Jane did to piss Grace off included, but not limited to, not paying attention. Being late on their study session. Never showed appreciation. Didn't pay for coffee or snack. 
complaining annoyingly about how hard it was to draw something. Grace pretty much gave up on her after a week, refusing to meet Jane outside of her class. Time went by and for their midterm, everyone in the class had to do a presentation on the stuff they had designed. When it was Jane's turn, Grace was shocked to see Jean had stolen one of her designs. Thankfully Grace had multiple designs going on so there were no conflicts when it was her turn to present, but she was seething with rage. Grace had a meeting with the professor afterwards, and the professor knew what was going on, but couldn't really do anything with Jane, because it turns out she was the daughter of the chairman, or one of the major investors, Grace said she can't recall. The chairman apparently blackmailed the professor into giving Jane the best grades. The revenge. Professor did, however, help Grace devise a plan to humiliate and expose Jane. For the finals, the professor announced to the class they would do another presentation, but it would be three designs, and advised they had to bring their A games, because professionals from industries would be grading their work, and the head of the department and the chairman would be there as well. So you know how Grace had a bunch of sketches for the class? Well, Grace also had a separate sketchbook that had designs from major brands. MK, Coach, you name it. She never used these directly for class assignments, but rather as inspirations for her designs. Grace pretended to be all friendly with Jane again, and brought the other sketchbook on their meetings, still putting up with all the problems mentioned above. Grace secretly worked tirelessly on her new design, and did her best to keep it a secret from Jane. So the day of the final presentation arrives, and Grace and Professor are grinning, because they know what is about to happen. Grace went first, and she got a lot of praise from the judges. After a few more presentations, the last one to go was Jane. Jane's presentation turned out to be another copycat, copying designs of not one, not two, but three different companies. After the presentation, this was how it went all down, at least according to Grace. Judge 1, so you are saying you designed all these by yourself, right? Jane, that's right. Judge 1, and you swear that it really was your design, and didn't copy off from anything else, right? Jane, I swear. Judge 1, you are aware your designs are from, three brands. Jane, huh? Judge 1, are you aware, that these are on market right now, and some of the most popular designs? Jane, wait, hold on. Judge 2, yeah, I was going to bring this up. If you had worked for any brands, you would have probably been fired or worst case, suit. Jane, but. Judge 2, please, I'm not done yet, did you honestly think this would work? We, the judges, have been in the industry for over 10 years. We know a copycat when we see it. Jane, but these aren't even my designs. They are from Grace. Judge 3, to Grace, is this true? Grace, yes, but I'd never use them for major projects, nor call them my work, I just use sketches of them as inspirations for my own designs. Judge 3, well, that was clear from your presentation. Turning back to Jane, now, Miss Jane, this is a clear case of plagiarism, and I do hope your school is merciful on this matter. After the presentation was over, the chairman screamed at the professor in front of everyone, not realizing he just revealed all the blackmailing and the secret grade deal. Jane tried to call out Grace on how you screwed me over, but it really didn't matter. No one listened to Jane's attempt and slander, and was kicked out of the school. Chairman pretty much lost all support, and had to resign, and was replaced by far more honorable and competent one. Edit. It's only been 3 hours and I already got a silver. 
Thanks guys. For everyone that's saying this sounds like fake slash webtoon slash drama plot. Let me tell you that shit like this happens all the time in Korea. But most of the times, victims tend to just swallow the losses and try not to make a big deal out of it because they don't want the infamy of all drama that it will release. If you think gossiping and fake rumors were bad in US colleges, wait until you see what happens in Korean colleges. Besides, the plots of webtoon and dramas are often based on or inspired by real life events. I also forgot to add that Grace passed with flying colors and was recommended for an apprenticeship slash internship over at Paris, but due to COVID-19 it was cancelled. Our next post is by Kevinville123. During the final trimester of my last year in high school, we had to do a group project that needed to be finished by the end of the trimester and was evaluated and graded in front of a jury of teachers instead of an exam. I was paired with the biggest doucher bag in class. Imagine a really entitled, arrogant asshole. Every time we were supposed to work on the project, he would have some excuse to not show up and demand I would work on it alone to make sure the project stayed on track. In the beginning, I tried to complain and talk to the teacher, but she would just say make it work, it's your project. After a while, I stopped planning work meetings altogether. He would call me to ask how the project was going, and I would say something like yeah, it's going well, I think it's almost finished, or I'll send you the presentation, to prepare for the jury. Little did he know, I had a trump card in my hand. The project counted for 40% of the final grade. Me, doing well in the class, already got about 55 of the other 60%, so even if I got a zero on the project, I would still pass the class. The asshole had less, a lot less. After it became clear he was just going to use my work to pass the class and the teacher didn't care, I decided to throw out all work for the project and keep the asshole in the dark. That last bit went a lot easier than I expected, as he was happy with me telling him that everything was on track. In the last week before the jury presentation, things became harder. The asshole wanted me to send the presentation, so he knew which part he had to present. I managed to stall a few days with excuses, but two days before the jury presentation, I finally sent him an ML with the PowerPoint, which was actually an MP3 file with a changed file extension. The next day, I switched of my phone. In the evening, I called him back with the excuse my phone had issues, and he was panicking that there was something wrong with the PowerPoint. I told him not to worry, I will check it out tonight, and have a working PowerPoint for tomorrow. I would come to the school at 8am, so he could practice his part of the presentation before the jury appointment at 9am. The next morning, I arrived at school a little before 9am, having switched off my phone again. When he saw me, he approached me with a mix of panic and anger, but before I could explain anything, we were called into the room with the jury for our presentation. I just told the asshole to not worry and let me do the talking. We greeted the jury and I started the introduction. The original idea of today was for us to present our projects. But, since I already have enough points to pass the class and Mr. Asshole over here couldn't be bothered to put in any effort, I decided to skip it and, instead, have a nice day off today. That concludes our presentation. Thank you for your attention. I just walked out on four confused teachers and one asshole with a mouth open so wide, it looked like he was trying to eat a club sandwich vertically. Naturally, there was some backlash in the days after that. 
teacher called for an explanation, but in the end, recognized I was a good student and I indeed already passed the class without the project. Arsol was angry that he had to study over the summer for a re-exam. All in all, I was happy to have graduated and looked forward to going to college the next year. After the summer, I heard from friends that Arsol failed his re-exam and that that, combined with other bad grades, caused him to have to redo his last year. Karma is a bitch. Edit, I see some comments about the teacher, so I think I'm misrepresenting her here. I didn't have the feeling she was a bad teacher, I think she just wanted to give us the chance to work out this problem ourselves. Experience is the best teacher after all. I'm also assuming she thought we worked something out after I stopped complaining when I had my plan. Edit 2, to resolve confusion about the grading system. This was in Belgium in my 6th and last year of Medelba, where you're typically 17 to 18 years old. The school works with subjects, I misuse the word class for subject like math, economics, English, etc. In this case, the subject was mechanics. Each subject needs to be passed with 50% or more for you to pass your year. If you get a 45, 50% on a lesser subject, but passed all others with good grades, the teacher could allow you to pass the year anyway. The percentages of were divided differently for each subject. Mechanics had 60% on tests throughout the year and 40% on the project. Maths probably had 50% on tests during the year and 50% on the exams. Our last post is by. After reading through everyone's amazing stories, I figured I should share my own. TLDR, my best friend of 15 years illegally kicks me out, steals my stuff, and then thinks he can run from judgment when I become a DIY lawyer. Edited for typists and apologies for the rambling. I tried to make it as coherent as possible. Background. My friend Dan and I have known each other since 5th grade. For clarification he's a gay guy and I'm a woman. We remained friends into adulthood as we started our lives with our respective partners. I had recently gotten married in 2012 and he got married shortly after. My husband and I then bought a house in early 2015 and Dan and his husband followed behind to also buy, rent, a house. However shortly after this, I had started to address the feelings I have ignored for many years and came to the realization that I'm a lesbian and needed to leave my husband. For the record my now ex-husband is a really great guy and he did not do this to me as people in my life have assumed. His family who I also loved moved in with us in this big house, so he was not alone when I left and has always been surrounded by loved ones. He wanted me to be happy and true to myself, and he's found love again so we have no hard feelings. However at this time I told Dan that I needed to move out on my own, and with them renting this multi-bedroom home that they couldn't afford, they invited me to move into one of the rooms and agreed that I could stay a few months free till I get on my feet. I was so thankful and moved into the room. However a few days later they came to me and asked me if I could start paying for the room right away due to Dan experiencing a medical issue and not able to currently work. I of course obliged as the terms were totally reasonable. Weeks pass without issue and I experienced single adult, lesbian, life for the first time because I had been in that relationship since college. That kind of freedom for the first time was so unreal. 
Shortly after, they decide to rent out another room in their home. Lo and behold it's to another lesbian woman close to my age. I'll call her A. We both realized we have the exact same birthday, Valentine's Day, and our pets have the same birthday. We instantly hit it off and became platonic lipstick lesbian partners in crime. Going out to the gay bar on the weekends, looking super hot, and grabbing the attention of all the cute girls in the gay community. It was so fun I have the best memories. I know what you're thinking, and and no we have always and only been just friends lol. However this is when Dan started getting jealous and also angry that the new roommate was not only spending tons of time with me but also being an intentionally careless, such as her leaving an empty wine bottle in his bathroom, he was sober, and bringing people home from the club late at night. I will admit my wrong in that I was, was involved in this once, when Dan expressed he didn't like it, I no longer participated in bringing people home. However Dan did not know that I had not gone out with her that night nor that the wine bottle didn't belong to me, so in his eyes we were both at fault for these things and didn't communicate this to me which would have allowed me to defend myself. The setup. That's when things grew tense at the house, I continued paying rent on time every month as any reasonable person would and should, up to this point I had stayed about 3 months. Then Dan brought in another roommate which was this middle aged woman he knew from work with a teenage daughter who were staying in the basement, and this lady was a tyrant. I will call her tyrant. He then brought in another roommate who was staying on the couch, and who had planned to take A's room as she was set to move out soon. Fueled by the crazy lady's controlling nature, Dan wrote me a note telling me I had to move out within 5 days. I was young and didn't know my rights or laws or any of that, so I was stressed and didn't know what to do. I didn't have the means to move out all my stuff nor any place to go. A few days later I got a text from Dan saying hey, tyrant lady, told me she heard you and a talking and that you think I'm required to give you 30 days notice to move out, but that's not true because there is no lease. This was crazy, because we literally never talked about that, and I hadn't even looked into my rights, so no such conversation ever happened. I assumed since there was no lease I had no standing, and had no choice, but to get out. I had told my sister about the predicament I was in, and she told my dad who came to my rescue, showed up at the house with his trailer ready to move my stuff without me even asking. Can we please just stand my dad for a minute for being my knight in shining armor in a situation where I was embarrassed and afraid to ask for help. Dan had gone out of town during my move out on purpose, but his husband stayed and took this opportunity while his sober husband was gone to get super drunk. He was so s asterisk 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 faced, but played the nice guy card which he always did, offered to help me move stuff out, slurring his words, and he regretted it when I took him up on his offer to bring a box outside for me. I got all the stuff out of the room that the newest room at he was going to take, but still had a lot of stuff that I couldn't fit in my car which I put in the garage. They had just had a garage sale a few weeks earlier, and since I sell new and vintage clothes online I had a ton of merchandise I also put up for sale at the garage sale. A few weeks after the sale, the two-car garage was still totally full of everyone's garage sale stuff, as though nothing had even sold. So in attempt to clear the room and the time they requested, I took the remaining of my personal belongings that I couldn't fit in my car, including about one-fourth of the clothing that had been hung in my closet, and put it with my garage sale stuff. 
I notified Dee's husband that I couldn't fit everything but put it in the garage and would be back soon to get the rest and he very nicely obliged and said no rush. About a day after I leave, I get text messages of pics of the carpet in the room which show animal pee stains all over the floor. They accused my cat of making the stains and were super mad and telling me I was going to pay for this. However I explained to him that I know for a fact when they would enter my room, when I would go to work, their cat would go in my room, they'd leave and close the door and the cat would pee in there because it's trapped. I would come home and open my door and their cat would fly out and there'd be a pee puddle in my room and that's how I knew they were going in my room and that their cat did it. They did clean up one stain early on when I alerted them, but I didn't bring this up later because they kind of made a big deal of cleaning it up the first time and I didn't want to seem like I was spazzing on them and didn't want to start a bunch of conflict. There had been a situation earlier where I had just ordered breakfast to go, left it in my room for when I returned back home and one of them went in my room, left my door opened and their dog went in and pulled my food off my dresser and ate it. I had gotten annoyed about it because I feel like personal boundaries and privacy is important, that people shouldn't be going in my room all the time, and I was afraid it caused tension. So when their cat peed a second and third time in my room I simply cleaned it up as best as I could and covered it up with a rug because I didn't want to look at it. But I know for a fact my cat does not have accidents because I've had her for a few years now and she's never done that. He accused me of trying to cover it up with a rug which I flat out admitted that I did because I literally didn't want to look at it. I explained that I knew it was their cat that which they didn't want and were trying to pawn off on people. They bought and got rid of animals the way they spent money to fill a void and said that if I had received more than a few days notice to leave I would have been more than happy to wash the carpets. I even offered to come back the next day and bring my dad's carpet cleaner, but he was not having it. It was at this time that he said I was never welcome at his home again and that our 15 year friendship was over. Fast forward about a week and I had a day off work to come get the rest of my stuff. I start texting Dan saying hey is anybody home can I come get my stuff and start getting ignored and blocked on the different social media accounts. After like 4 days of this, I decided to just show up at the house with my girlfriend to get my stuff. We pull up and the garage is open but I can clearly see only my stuff is nowhere to be found and the garage is still full of their shade stuff from the sale. The only crumb of evidence that I ever lived there was a lone pink hanger on the ground all by its lonesome. I go to the front door, ring the doorbell and see the tyrant stick her head around the corner. I tell her I'm here for my stuff and she says call D, to which I reply I have and he's ignoring me. She slams the door in my face and closes the garage and I go back to my car and call the police. Of course silly me, they use the all this is a civil matter blah 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 so of course they can't help me. At this point I come to the sad realization that my stuff is probably gone. I see Dee's car in the driveway with sunroof and windows open, so I know he's home he's just hiding. In attempt to cheer me up and seek a bit of foreshadowed revenge, my girlfriend takes a half full old Frappuccino that was in my car. It wasn't that old it was just hot out at that time and had been sitting there maybe 9 hours from that morning that was in my cup holder and pours it inside his sunroof and curdled whipped cream and coffee decorate the inside of his car. Remember this is just the foreshadowing. Revenge main course. 
I go home defeated, with only the memories of the stuff I left behind, which included a few heirloom clothing items that my grandma had sewn when she was young and passed on to me. I was so depressed and hurt that a few months later I started doing some research. I look up local tenant laws and realize what he did was totally illegal. In Minnesota, you absolutely are required to give 30 days notice to move out to a tenant as long as the tenant has been paying rent monthly, regardless of if there was a lease or not. In addition to this, they are required to house my possessions and attempt to return them to me for something like 60 to 90 days after I move out before getting rid of them. It was clear to me that they were totally wrong in this situation. Never in a million years would I get rid of or touch somebody's stuff, especially when you give them days to get out. In my mind I would never play around with people's possessions regardless of what I thought they did to me. I was angry, but the cherry on top was when I decided to use my GF's social media to check their FB pages, and lo and behold I discover photos of Dan literally wearing multiple items of clothing that belonged to me. But wait, there's more. I check the social media pages of everyone around them and see pics of the tyrant's young daughter wearing items that belonged to me. And then I check E's social media and see her wearing the shirt my little sister gave me for my birthday. All items I could not fit in my car. I was absolutely livid. It was obvious they went through my stuff, took what they wanted, and then got rid of the rest. He made it clear that our friendship was over, and I promised to myself that if I couldn't recover my friendship, I was at least going to recover my damages. Part of me had still held out hope my stuff would be returned, but this hit it home. I start out by researching the recovery, small claims, process and send official demand letters to return my items which they ignore. I start putting together my case including text messages, pictures, and all the information important to the case. They ignore all of my letters and eventually I get a court date. I go to court expecting them to argue me, and of course they don't show. The cards are all stacked against them. From illegally kicking me out, to my stuff being gone, and proof of them wearing my stuff, it was all there, and they had literally no defense. I came to court so well prepared and valued all of my store merchandise at garage sale prices using the goodwill valuation guide which was well below actual value. The judge saw that I was prepared and more than reasonable and awarded me my entire judgment, around $3,000. One celebration in a long journey, months to a year, go by without being able to contact Dan as he has blocked me on everything and I see via social media that they have moved out of that home we were all in to get away from the tyrant who even they admitted was super overbearing. Eventually I managed to trick Dee's husband into answering a hidden ID call where I confront him about my stuff, and he declares you'll never get us to pay. Oh now it was on. Before this I was debating going back and forth on what to do, but after that phone call I knew I wasn't going to let this go. All I could think about were the items of clothing my grandma had given me and all my merchandise I had invested in, in order to support myself. Pursuing this would be difficult, but at the same time I kept going back to my thought of I'm not going to lose both my friend and my stuff. If the friendship is actually over then I'm definitely getting my stuff back. The next step is to seek paycheck garnishment, since he's not paying. I run into a dead end when the documents required to garnish keep getting returned back to the courthouse as undeliverable. Since I had absolutely no clue where they live now, I have no way to initiate garnishment. 
it was the third certified letter that got returned to the court that the court clerk person, not sure of her exact role, calls me and explains, since all the previous letters have been returned, that she doesn't want to waste my time and money in court fees by sending this next one out. I explained to her the situation and that I don't know their address and she sympathizes with me. I mentioned that some of the court paperwork slash records generated by the county show a nearby city under their names, which I assumed is where they have moved, however I did not have their street address. We hang up and I felt as though this is the end of the line. A few minutes pass and I receive a call back from the court lady. She tells me she did some digging and was able to find their updated address somewhere within their system and she gives it to me. I'm like Joan, you sweet sweet angel. I had read on the self-help small claims website that court clerks cannot help with any information and I believe this was probably outside of the scope of Joan's responsibility and probably not at all compliant with the rules of her position. This woman was literally the saving grace in this situation because without her I would have been stuck at this point. Finally they receive the documents alerting them that I'm initiating a request that their paychecks will be garnished soon. All of a sudden. Boom. They file bankruptcy. Since the initial judgment, they continue to rack up credit card debit, bills, shopping, etc. Though in line with their usual financial spending slash situation, all with the intention of filing for bankruptcy, if and when I find out where they are in attempt to garnish. Of course this meant I had to do more digging and research into what this meant for my case, this time in bankruptcy court which is not as easy for the average person to navigate without the help of a lawyer the way the small claims system is. They had mistakenly believed that by filing bankruptcy they would wipe away the debt they owed me, however this applies to things such as being unable to pay your cable bill, they didn't read the small print where judgments in the case of malicious intent are not included. I found out that I was going to have to refile the claim in bankruptcy court in order to fight this judgment, but also prove that he took my stuff with malicious intent. Once again I gather my evidence and get ready to debate my claim in court. I file all the necessary paperwork without the help of a lawyer and receive a court date. Right before the first court date, hearing of creditors, a lawyer calls me on behalf of them trying to intimidate me. He tells me that what actually happened was the landlord slash owner of the house showed up and decided to do some spring cleaning. She allegedly saw some extra stuff in the garage and donated it and was willing to testify in court and therefore I wouldn't be able to prove malicious intent. He suggests I drop the case and at this point I was literally shaking. My voice was quaking but I stood my ground and told him that I cannot be fooled. I have all the proof that they were wearing my stuff and the garage was still full of everything that wasn't mine and the lawyer knew this and had a copy of my claim but still tried to bully me down. I had never seen the owner of the house the entire time I lived there so for her to show up and start touching slash moving people's things the week I move out was not believable to me whatsoever. I refused to back down and the meeting of the creditors arrives. I show up in my cutest legally blonde lawyer outfit, what, like it's hard, and when Dan saw me walk through the doors he looked like he was going to poopy moj I asterisked himself. This meeting was not required, but I wanted to let him know I was not going to back down. Nothing really happened at the meeting, but I submitted my claim to the bankruptcy court as the next step, not knowing what I would do next, but fully intending to research what to do when it gets to that point. 
a week or two passes and I received another call from their lawyer, this time a much different tone. He wants to come to a settlement. He offers 1k to end this. Um I'll have to think about it, and I declined the request, because I already lowballed the amount of stuff I owed, and it's worth, in order to maintain a reasonable case in front of the judge. Then he offers 1k up front, and $150 payments a month after that for 4 months let him know the 1k up front all at once was not necessary in my eyes, and that it's not my intention to put them under undue hardship, but he confirmed that was their offer so I accepted. After 4 years I finally won, and knowing they had to accept defeat on their end, after promising they weren't going to pay, it was finally over. I received the payments with a sorry note, included in the last payment. The money didn't bring back the important items from my grandma, but it came at a time that I was going through a really rough point in my life, experiencing depression and had to take a leave of absence and work, unrelated to this case. That literally helped me keep a roof over my head while I was hurting, so it couldn't have come at a better time. I managed to do it all on my own without a lawyer, and to this day I still miss our friendship so dearly. At the end of the day I think he was acting in hurt because of my new friendship and I do believe looking back that he probably thought everything in the garage was stuff I didn't care about since it was initially garage sale stuff. These situations cold for being resolved with communication which he could not give me the benefit of. We haven't communicated after that last letter he included even though I would gladly patch things up if I had the opportunity. Maybe more justice than revenge, but I got it regardless, and I did it in a pencil skirt. Edit to include, while I technically settled, for less, it's still a win for me. Most of the merch slash clothing I got for like cents, because I worked at Goodwill got a discount. I would definitely rather take the payout, than have actually taken the time and effort, to sell that stuff anyway, which I didn't have to do anymore. The higher end stuff I actually got full price for, while the normal everyday nothing special type stuff I valued at goodwill pricing, still way more than I paid for the stuff. So therefore I was much happier to take the payout at less than to actually put in the hours to photograph, list, and sell the stuff online. I absolutely profited in the settlement. That's it for Edit Reddit. I hope you enjoyed. Please leave a good rating, as that really helps me out.